1: It's happy hour here on the morning after on Sports Sportsgrave. You're listening on Sirius XM channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Here in this hour, we're going to go through today's Major League Baseball card. We've got futures prop bets in the NFL. And to close out the show, Yanni the Greek, live from Las Vegas. Who knows where he's going on the card today, but he'll give us some winners. First, it's our West Coast wake up, and we're going to go back to the NBA last night. Last night in the NBA, there was a huge trade that sent Russell Westbrook over from Washington to L.A. The Lakers now have a trio of Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook. The Lakers were 6-1 to on July 21st when the odds came out to win the NBA title. Now, they're plus 420 on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the second-best odds behind the Brooklyn Nets, who are at plus 220. Ben, when you saw all this line movement, how much was it warranted, and how much do you believe the Lakers should even be closer to the Nets?
2: I think the line movement was very warranted because Russell Westbrook does make the Lakers more of a championship contender. Does it make them the favorite to win the NBA title? Certainly not, and that is not is what was reflected on the FanDuel Sportsbook with the Nets still being the favorite at plus 220. But we've seen the Nets' odds get longer here over the past two and a half weeks or so, and rightfully so, because they opened up Plus one eighty-five or something preposterous like that. So at plus two twenty, it makes sense for the Nets. At plus four twenty, that makes sense for the Lakers. We heard John Sheeran, the director of trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook, talk about this very subject earlier on in the show, saying that over the next couple of days, he and the people over at FanDuel will determine exactly the fit for Russell Westbrook and how it affects the Lakers' odds. I don't expect them to get shorter at the moment. I could see them settling around somewhere in the plus four fifty range, not much different. Just just about 30 cents of difference. But I do think the odds yesterday going from plus 600 to plus 420 makes sense from a variety of standpoints because again, Russ I think does make the Lakers a better team just on paper, and then of course a blockbuster deal like that with a Woj bomb and all that heading into the NBA draft is of course a very public move. So thus you are going to get a lot more eyeballs on the most public team, the Los Angeles Lakers. So all of the movement makes sense. I don't think the Lakers should be any shorter I think even they might get a little bit longer here throughout the offseason, depending on what happens. But they'll still be the second shortest odds in my mind by the time we tip off the 2021-22 NBA season.
1: They get a nine-time all-star point guard in addition to having a triple-double as his, uh, I think, yeah, Westbrook average triple-double in a season four times, including this past season. And when it comes to the triple-double leaders for uh, the two of the top five players in triple-double uh, in triple doubles, it's Westbrook, 184, and LeBron, 99. So two of the top five players in history on this team leading the way with triple doubles. And Ben, when it comes to uh, this Westbrook trade and the Lakers getting another big addition, it's going to be a public favorite. That doesn't surprise me at all. I'm surprised that we haven't gotten odds up on the Vandal Sportsbook yet for NBA MVP. We haven't seen any conference division odds yet. And I'm curious to see what they decide to do because... The Lakers look really good. It's just a matter of how much this all-star duo is going to actually be what the Lakers need. Giannis Antetokounmpo proving that you don't need to have a trio of all-stars to win an NBA championship. He just did it this year. Now we'll find out if things continue uh, for the Lakers with what LeBron's used to in having these all-star trios and winning championships. Um, We do have to welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience. It's the third final hour here on The Morning After. Serious XM, channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. Welcome here to Hour 3. Ben Stevens, Ariel Epstein taking you through noon Eastern time. The Los Angeles Clippers yesterday also made a move. Here in the West Coast, wake up. We'll talk about how the Clippers selected at number 21 via the Knicks pick, Keon Johnson. What made this move so significant, Ben?
2: It was so interesting. Keon Johnson out of Tennessee was probably the biggest faller from a betting perspective throughout the entire first round of the 2021 NBA draft. Ariel, on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Keon Johnson's draft position over under opened up at eight and a half. Now, the over was heavily juiced at minus 190, saying it wasn't so likely for him to go under eight. But that being said, 8.5 to fall to 21, I guess presents some good value for the LA Clippers. Keon Johnson was also almost a minus $2 favorite to be selected in the top 10 when this betting market opened up just last week. So to fall all the way to number 21 for the Clippers to make that trade with the Knicks to move up to get their guy in Keon Johnson, I think speaks to the fact they thought he had great value and they did not want that fall to continue and maybe a team before them was likely to pick Keon Johnson, but he was one of the biggest fallers in all of the NBA draft last night. We saw that with a couple of guys like Jalen Johnson out of Duke, who was ended up selected by the Atlanta Hawks, but Keon Johnson opening up from an eight and a half in that draft positional value falling to a fourteen and a half, being nearly a minus 200 favorite to be selected in the top 10 to end up number 21. I like this pick for the Clippers. A very talented wing needs to develop offensively, but is as athletic as any prospect in this year's NBA draft class. You put him along the side of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard at this moment, you'll give him some time to develop there in Los Angeles. I think the Clippers were very happy that Keon Johnson fell to 21.
1: 13-1, to 1, the fourth best odds for the Clippers to win the NBA title. They're tied with the Golden State Warriors and the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. All four of those teams are 13-1 to one on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the title. Pretty telling, too, to see that the Golden State Warriors are up there with three different teams that made it deep into the playoffs this year. The Warriors, if they could get Klay Thompson back, could potentially have young pieces and a healthier team of veterans could be dangerous and great value on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Coming up next, we're going to look for more value on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We have our NFL Futures Props. We're turning to the running back. Oh No, wide receivers. We did running backs yesterday. Sirius XM, channel 204.
0: Live on sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com.
1: Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, SiriusXM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to talk about the NFL futures market as we have some receiving yards props to talk about. This one was pretty easy for me, Ben. When we were going for overs mm. and unders, we like to give you at one over, one under. There is no wide receiver in football I like to fade more than Brashad Perriman. Perriman came to the Ravens out of college, was supposed to be the best wide receiver selection Ozzie Newsom, the Ravens general manager at the time, ever had in his career, and he was the biggest bust that Ozzie Newsom ever had in his career. All I do is fade Brashad Perriman. Now, Brashad Perriman, under 699 and a half receiving yards is where i'm going here because paramon is on the detroit lions which means that he has a worse quarterback throwing to him than he did have in the past with whether it's sam darnold or um i mean yeah D- Darnold, and he had joe flacco i mean now you're dealing with the lions Ooh. quarterback situation where you've got jared goff in the house eh. I'm not feeling it Rashad Paraman I'm gonna take his under he hasn't hit this prop Uh, I have to go back and double check actually but I'm pretty sure he hasn't hit this number in his career and I don't know why he would do it now I know you could say that Goff has better experience than other quarterbacks but I don't know I'm I'm seeing 505, 645, 340, 499, a 77 yeah, Rashad Perriman, this, you're asking him to like double whatever he's done before? Nah, I'm fading him. Rashad Perriman, under, whatever his receiving yards prop is, even if it's like two yards. Ben, what do you got?
2: I'll go with my under first as well, but before I do that, I must ask your thoughts, Ariel Epstein, as a person that has a Ravens helmet over your right shoulder there and a guy that you mentioned in the same breath with Rashad Perriman, what are your thoughts on Joe Flacco?
1: this is so random um my thoughts on joe flacco is he won a super bowl for the ravens he was super bowl mvp he went on one of the most ridiculous runs of any quarterback in a postseason now when it comes to his overall career fine he was consistent but Mm. i'm not some kind of joe flacco homer i think that lamar jackson has done a lot for the ravens organization Ray Lewis was great. He's the reason that I became a Ravens fan back in 2000. However, the Ravens were always the enemy. Lamar Jackson has made the Ravens lovable, which is something in my entire life the Ravens have never been. That's why I love Lamar Jackson. I love what Flacco was able to do. One of the best runs ever. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's the best quarterback of all time.
2: Or even that he was elite. Sorry, that was a sidebar from our NFL player props for this upcoming 2021 season. I just had to know what your thoughts on I Joe Flacco Rashad were. All right. I blame Rashad Perriman.
1: I blame Rashad Perriman for Joe Flacco's demise. And fair enough. That's what I, I said. Fair
2: enough. That's, that's very fair. All right, so back to the receiving yards props for this upcoming 2021 season. Ariel gave you the under for Rashad Perriman. I'm going to go to the under of a guy that we had on this show, Paul Kaharski, who covers the Titans I'm looking at the under of A.J. Brown. Now, let me preface this. I think A.J. Brown is a stud. I think he is one of my favorite young receivers in the NFL. But his number right now for his receiving yards prop on the FanDuel Sportsbook is a little bit too high. It's at 1,200 and a half. 1,200 receiving yards and a half, that hook being what is factored into this as well. The number seems a little bit too high for me because A.J. Brown last year, as the leading receiver on that Tennessee Titans team, went under this number. Out of the wide receivers to finish in the top 15 in terms of receiving yards last year in the NFL, A.J. Brown had the lowest amounts of targets out of that group that finished in the top 15. He ranked 26th in the NFL last year in terms of his targets. A.J. Brown is a big play receiver. He can run deep routes with the best of them like his former college teammate at Ole Miss and D.K. Metcalf. But when you're not getting as many targets as some of the other top receivers in the league and your player prop is posted at 1,200 and a half I have to lean the under. And two more reasons why. I also think about the usage this year for AJ Brown as it ties into those targets because, of course, Julio Jones now a member of that Tennessee Titans wide receiving core. So you add in Julio to take away a couple of those receptions from AJ Brown, more than likely. And again, Paul Kaharski talked about it. You can't just say the Titans are a bottom ten passing offense and not recognize how great they are on the ground, led by King Henry. But at the end of the day, the stats don't lie and the numbers prove a point. The Titans are still a bottom 10 passing offense. And from a yardage perspective, when they rank bottom 10 and you need your wide receivers to go over their receiving yard props for the season, that's why I lean the under of A.J. Brown, 1,200 and a half for his receiving yards prop for 2021.
1: Okay, I could see it, and I like the overreactions because people will do the overreaction thing where they'll say that he's great and not take into consideration that there's another wide receiver in town. Uh, Things are very different out there in Tennessee, and I could see it taking some time for this passing offense to figure out who's going to be that number one wide receiver and if you're going to get double coverage on A.J. Brown or Julio Jones. I'm going to take it over. I'm going a little homer, but not really because people, if you watch the show, know that I do not back my team. Uh, Marquise Brown, over 800 and a half receiving yards. I think the number is pretty low. Mm -hmm. He's made progress every year of his career. He went from 584 his rookie season to 769 last year. Now you're going to have challengers. You're going to have Rashad Bateman coming out of Minnesota. He's a young wide receiver. He's fast. He's great. Ben could tell you about him, Big Ten Ben. If you're going to have someone pressure Marquise Brown, I could see him trying to step up his game in year number three. This is the key year for any NFL player, year three. Hollywood Brown to be and to step up to the plate as the number one wide receiver of this Ravens team, as he should have for the last couple of years. Although Mark uh, Mark Andrews is great at tight end, and I'm not even going to take that into—I mean, he's your slot guy. He's the most reliable for sure. You're going to put a veteran in Sammy Watkins. Aside, Marquise Brown, someone he can learn from. If Marquise Brown continues to make progress the way he has, 584 going up to 769 in the first year and second year of his career, then, yeah, I could see Marquise Brown going over this number as the number one wide receiver for his quarterback, Lamar Jackson. The two of them have a great relationship. They're always roommates when they're together. Obviously, Lamar and COVID protocol, they're not roommates right now. But whenever it was training camp, they were roommates, and they're really good friends. They go on vacations together. There is no way these two haven't, been building on that relationship to make sure that hollywood could make lamar jackson a better passing quarterback this was the worst passing offense in the nfl last year there's nowhere else to go but up marquise brown has to step up and i could see him going over this 800 and a half for his receiving yards prop ben
2: I like it. I think the number's too low on Hollywood as well. So you went slightly homer with your pick, although you say you don't like to back Baltimore. I'm going very much homer for my pick in the over of my receiving yards prop, and I'm looking at Travis Kelsey, the stud tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, my favorite team in the NFL. When I look at Travis Kelsey, his number right now as I'm pulling it up is 1375 and a half. He has gone over this number, and that has included the playoffs in terms of the games-wise in the last three seasons. Last year, He had 1,776 receiving yards. That ranked second in all of the National Football League in 18 games. So yes, the playoffs included in that but 1776 also the year this country was founded but 1776 in 18 games that's only one more than we're playing in the regular season this year in a 17 game regular season in 2021 so 1776 is well over 1375 and a half and he has gone over that number of 1375 and a half in the past three seasons he was second in the league last year in targets he was second in the league last year in receptions in fact travis kelsey in the past three seasons has had 113 or more receptions in each of the last three years 136 to cap it off last year so when you talk about usage and the ability for patrick mahomes to give travis kelsey the ball 1375 and a half as his receiving yards prop doesn't seem high enough to me i'm going full homer and taking the over of that number for travis kelsey
1: I like it, even though he scares me because he's one of the public names and betting public names always makes me a little nervous. That's why I was targeting certain players like a Brashad or a Marquise Brown because I felt like those numbers aren't as looked at as someone like a Travis Kelsey. Yet if you're liking the over and you're going homer, first of all, I don't understand. You're an L.A. Dodgers fan, you're an L.A. Lakers fan, and you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. It's like the weird thing. You're weirder than me. Major League Baseball talk up next. Your wife called. She wants her husband.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Jack the Intern is trying to get... We're fired. We're here on Sirius XM yeah, channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein and Jack, who sometimes fills in for Alex Pisano as our producer. And sometimes, um, I, never mind, I'm going to just stop ripping on Jack live on air because he's great. <laughs> but seriously, like, dude, you're an intern. Like, you got to stop. Like, you're killing me. He's talking about the Ravens. Yeah. He's talking snacks. He's talking smack about the Ravens off air. He's talking smack to Ben that he would beat him by like eight and a half strokes in golf. I mean, come on. Mm. This guy's got to get a reality check. Ben's going to crush him on the golf course. We're going to the Major League Baseball card, which means we're going to our favorite props. It's time for K-Props. <laughs> It is a betting show. I think we should start putting Jack on and trying to just go head to head and seeing who ends up winning because that would just be the ultimate test as to who should keep their job around here. I'm going with the first strikeout prop, which is a trend for mid-major Matt. He's given us all these great strikeout prop trends. And the Pittsburgh Pirates don't strike out a lot. Even though they're really bad, they don't strike out. 34 of the last 49 opposing starting pitchers have had five strikeouts or less against Pittsburgh. The starting pitcher today for the Philadelphia Phillies is Vince Velasquez, whose strikeout prop is five and a half. The under is heavily juiced, minus 148, yet I still would be willing to lay it. Velasquez hasn't had six strikeouts or more in four starts in July. He also, in his 20 starts this year, has gone under a five and a half in 16 of the 20 starts. Hasn't even faced Pittsburgh this year, which gives you a... I mean, it, it sometimes that goes in favor of the pitcher, but I don't know. I'm just going to say that the Pittsburgh Pirates are not going to strike out a lot against the starting pitcher and Vince Velasquez because the trends say so. Under five and a half strikeouts for Velasquez. Ben, what do you got?
2: In Ariel, that's Jack's team right there. He is a huge fan of the Buckos. I wonder if that plus one 110- ten for pittsburgh at home today as the favorite is enough for jack to be enticed to take the pittsburgh pirates on the money line when i look at the k props today i look to a guy that was super profitable at the beginning of the year and super prolific when it came to strikeouts in corbin burns the starter for the milwaukee brewers against the atlanta braves today i highlight the beginning of the year because through his first eight and ten starts corbin burns was up there with jacob DeGrom type numbers in terms of k per nine inning rates However, it has come down a little bit recently, but still I think Corbin Burns is enough of a noted pitcher now, at least in the strikeout prop market, that he might have an inflated number. So it really dependent on the number, and I don't believe FanDuel has posted it when I checked about 20 minutes ago, but I'll go back and look. Anyway, the reason I capped today and still might be interested in backing Corbin Burns in that K-pop is because Atlanta has the ninth highest K-rate in all of Major League Baseball this year against right-handed pitching at about 25 percent in the last two weeks since the return from the All-Star break down to just about 23%. So a little bit of positive regression there for the Atlanta Braves in terms of their K rate. Corbin Burns, like I mentioned, his Ks have come down here recently, only going double digits in terms of strikeouts once in his last seven starts and only one start versus a team that ranks in the top 10 versus right-handed pitching uh, in K rates in terms of the last two months or so that came against the New York Mets a couple of weeks ago. He had eight strikeouts. So it's really dependent on the number. Bear with me here as I go and see if FanDuel has posted for this game between the Brewers and the Braves. They have the number for Corbin Burns. Ooh, seven and a half, even money to the over plus 100. I don't mind that. I might dive in a little bit more to see if I like Corbin Burns in that strikeout prop against the Braves. The only thing that scares me is the fact that Corbin Burns, his strikeouts have come down, as have the swing and misses for the Atlanta Braves in the last two weeks. But 7.5 is a little bit of a better number than I was expecting. Even money to the over. Don't mind that at all in terms of a price. That might be my best strikeout prop of the day.
1: Oh, best strikeout prop of the day. OK, so I was laying the juice mm. with Velasquez, which I do like a lot. If you don't want to lay the juice, this is my second favorite strikeout prop. I'm debating if it's my first or second favorite, but I think second favorite because there's not as much um, there's not as much data to point to this yet. I really like the Miami Marlins starter today. Zach Thompson to go over five and a half strikeouts. They're hosting the New York Yankees. The Yankees have the 11th most strikeouts in baseball striking out about 24% of the time. The sixth most, the sixth highest K rate in the last 30 days. The New York Yankees striking out again 24% of the time and they are ranked 10th when it comes to highest K rate in against right-handed pitchers. Thompson is a right-handed pitcher and against teams who have a top 10 K rate against right-handers Thompson has had at least six strikeouts in all three of those games. He had six twice against Atlanta and seven against the Cubs. I would take the Thompson over five and a half strikeouts considering teams don't do well against him when it comes to striking out. They strike out a lot against Thompson if they do have a top 10 carry rate against right-handed pitchers, Ben.
2: I don't mind that play Zach Thompson, a guy that I think you'll get a little bit lower end of the market as opposed to Corbin Burns or the guy that I'm looking at for my next strikeout prop. And that is Lance Lynn, the starter for the Chicago White Sox at home today on the South side against the Cleveland Indians. Now Cleveland has been a fascinating team to dive into since the return from the all-star break, because they have the second highest K rate in all of major league baseball against right-handed pitching in the last two weeks. That is a drastic increase from most of this Major League Baseball season. The Cleveland Indians from opening day until that all-star break leading up to it, 17th in Major League Baseball. The strikeout rate only 23.3%. So it has come up by 4%. In the last two weeks since the return from the All-Star break. And Lance Lynn has been absolutely phenomenal this year. The best ERA in all of Major League Baseball for qualified pitchers with a 1-9-1 ERA. With all that being said, Lance Lynn, not a huge commanding strikeout pitcher. He has averaged just 5.8 strikeouts in his last six starts. That's 5.8 strikeouts on average over the course of his last six starts. He did face Cleveland back in April and he did have 10 strikeouts in that game. His number right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook was posted at 7.5 plus money to the over at plus 106, the juice on the under. Didn't love the number there for Lance Lynn. was really hoping for a 6.5. That was not the case. If it was a 6.5, it might have been my favorite strikeout prop of the day in front of Corbin Burns. But I think that Corbin Burns number and the price, even money to the over against the Braves, that might be my number one strikeout prop of the day.
1: Ooh, okay, I'll take you within the National League East because the New York Mets. If we don't talk about this trend, we are doing a disservice to our viewers. The New York Mets have the highest under rate in baseball when playing at home. Now the unders are hitting at just over sixty eight percent for the Mets when playing at home. Sonny Gray on the mound for the Cincinnati Reds. Gray has a three point three three road ERA. His home ERA is worse, 5.23. Hasn't allowed more than two runs on the road since April, Sonny Gray. And all road starts since April have gone under the total of 8.5. That points me in the direction of saying, okay, under for the Mets. However for the Mets right-hander Carlos Carrasco who's coming off of tearing that right hamstring it's his season debut his Mets debut he's in Citi Field the Mets are favored in the game I'm just concerned about pitch count I'm concerned about betting on a pitcher that I have not seen in the entire season yet Ben how concerning would it be for you to bet on an under of eight and a half for this game between the Reds and the Mets if Carrasco is in his first start
2: Well, Cookie Carrasco should be a great addition to that Mets starting staff, and they need some of it right now, obviously, with Jacob deGrom on the I.L. though, Syndergaard doesn't seem likely he'll return maybe until the later port of this regular season, if at all. So Carlos Cookie Carrasco, a big acquisition with Francisco Lindor in that deal from the Cleveland Indians, should be a beneficial help. I'm sure he'll be on a pitch and inning restriction tonight at Citi Field, but we know Citi Field. We know the dimensions. They play to the under. Like you mentioned, the Mets, the highest under percentage as a home team in all of Major League Baseball this year, hovering around 70%. It's not like 60 and they're just beating everybody else. 70% of their games at home are going under the total. I'm seeing right now on FanDuel a total of seven and a half. So maybe it's moved down a little bit. Here's what scares me about not backing or maybe fading the Mets in any way. They are returning to the alternate black jerseys tonight at Citi Field. It has been a long point of contention for Mets fans to get the black jerseys back. And Steve Cohen made a promise when he bought the team uh, a couple of months ago this offseason that he would get the black jerseys back. Tonight, the Mets back in black at City Field. Could that spur on some offense? Not really. That's not a true handicap. But that being said, at other times, I think adding Cookie Carrasco, adding the black jerseys, I would maybe stay away from this game to wait and see what we're getting out of Carlos Carrasco. But the trends are very strong. For the Mets to play unders and Sonny Gray has been good on the road so far.
1: I'm also looking at this rivalry between the Boston Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. This series means a lot to both teams because the Red Sox could pull ahead or the Rays could take over for the AL East. The Red Sox are road dogs plus 120, Tampa Bay minus 142. The total is 9. Haven't seen movement on the line yet. Boston has the second most wins as an away underdog, 18 and 10. Boston also has the third best run line run line rate as a road underdog going 22 and 6, and Boston's second best division record at 29 and 15. Martin Perez, the left-handed pitcher on the mound for the Red Sox. Tampa Bay has the fourth worst OPS against left-handed pitchers this year, and Perez has won 4 of his last 5 road starts. It does concern me because tampa bay has a great bullpen and they are obviously a really good team but i would see some value on the red sox as a road dog in this series ben what about you
2: it's going to be an incredible series between these two after the acquisition of kyle schwarber late last night for the boston red sox their odds to win the al east moved to minus 125 the Rays are right there though at plus 140 plus 145 something in that ballpark so this divisional race and this series this weekend is going to be truly impactful on how things play out in the American League East I can't wait to see what happens between the Red Sox and the Rays in Tampa this weekend
1: I'm really excited because I missed this guy last week. Yanni the Greek going to be joining us live from Las Vegas. He's going to tell us where all the sharp money's going, not only today, this weekend as well. You're listening here on Sirius XM, channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time. Yanni, best bets all coming up next. We're back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, Yanni the Greek, live from Las Vegas. He tells us where all that sharp money is going. Yanni, happy Friday. Thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me. Busy times. You know, it's, it's, it's July and usually that's the dead time. You know, the NBA playoffs are over. There's just baseball. This year we got the Olympics. But it's kind of like that law as we await for football. But surprisingly, there's just so much going on. I mean, with with, uh, UFC, with season win totals, with college football lines out, NFL lines out. So it's a busy time out here, even though, again, we're all pretty much just awaiting what's around the corner.
1: We do also have the Major League Baseball trade deadline today coming up around 4 p.m., 5 p.m. Eastern time. How does that affect your handicap of baseball?
3: Honestly, unless you're into season win totals um, or, or future bets to win, t- you know the the World Series, I don't really. It, it doesn't really affect me until after those trades are made. I'm not trying to get out ahead of the market, trying to guess where players are going to land to try to take advantage. As if now, if this player goes on that team, it's going to increase their probability of winning a title by this amount. So I could find some value. I I, I never was one to try to take advantage of that again i just think the hold is so high in those kind of markets that even if you are get a piece of information that's not factored into the price it's not even strong enough info to overcome that hold so i really don't get involved i mean again it's great for sports talk and for fans but is the sports better it really doesn't even hit my radar, to be honest with you, unless, again, you're focused, you have some some win totals that are pending on teams and players, or you're looking to bet World Series futures. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Show me the, the matchup, the data, and I'll let you know if it's plus CV on Team A or Team B, or we move on to the next game.
2: Yanni, you are one of the sharpest men we know. And speaking of handicapping sports, you might not be all that familiar with. With the Olympics going on right now, what is your handicapping process like for sports that generally you're probably not betting on?
3: Yeah, I, I you know me, I make it no secret. It's so hard to win long term. So few people are able to do it. And if you're betting multiple sports, I'm telling you right now, it becomes an impossibility. You're better off focusing on one sport, possibly a smaller market, and and become an expert at that. So something like the Olympics that comes around once every four years, I'm not going to invest any time into it. But fortunately, I work with people and have a big enough network that I do get information from groups that find value on those smaller market sports. And when it comes to that, I'm willing to piggyback because I've seen historically just how well they've done. Like when the World Cup rolls around, when the Olympics roll around, certain big tournaments, you know, these groups come in and take advantage because – The market's so saturated with recreational betters, these guys know what to do at that exact time. I don't because I'm not following that market. So I'm willing to trust the experts. Like I said, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, just surround yourself with smart people. So when it comes to the Olympics and, and markets I don't handicap, I trust people who historically have come through and have a history of being right. Like today, I'm on Nigeria plus six. and and I think it's men's basketball. I I can't even tell you with certainty if it's men's or women's basketball. And yet I bet a a decent amount of money on Nigeria plus six because I trust the source of the information. And regardless of what Nigeria does long term, that source has been profitable for me. And you have to be patient. Again, when you find a winning source, it's on you to have that patience and ride the variance. that's the most difficult thing when it comes to betting sports. Most can't handle the variance, even if they're capable of winning.
1: Yanni, a sport that you do handicap, UFC. You said you have a very strong UFC pick for this weekend. What is it?
3: Oh yeah, I, that I, exactly. I love the UFC because it's 90% all my work. Um, first co-main event, Kyung Ho Kang. Minus 120 against Ronnie Yaya, minus 130. You're comfortable laying up to minus 200. If it wasn't for his layoff, having not fought um, in two years, he would be a minus 200. He's won six of his last seven with his only loss by split decision, or he'd be on a seven fight win streak. We got three years, three height, uh, inch height advantage, six inch reach advantage, and again, would be a much bigger favorite against fan favorite. Ronnie Yaya. So lay the, the small chalk with Kyung Ho Kong. And then Kai Kamaka, small favorite again, minus 120 against Danny Chavez. We got eight years younger. Those fighters win 63% of the time. We got a two inch reach advantage and a fighter who just throws way too much volume for Chavez, who's got that negative strike differential to handle. Um, we also have a common opponent in TJ Brown. My fighter lost to TJ chavez won against tj so a lot of bettors are doing that mma math and betting chavez but if you dig a little deeper you'll find kamaka was an over two to one favorite against tj where chavez was a plus 150 dog against tj never put too much stock in the outcome look at what the market thought before the game the result shouldn't be as relevant as we make it take kamaka minus 120 all the way up to minus 150 i'm comfortable and comfortable all the way up to minus 200, but you won't have to because, again, the money's all coming in on Yaya. Those are two UFC plays I really like for Saturday.
2: So, Yanni, you're handicapping for the UFC. Always superb. As we start to turn our attention to football, whether it be college football or NFL, what are you doing right now as training camp has opened up to try to learn and get ahead of the market?
3: exactly what we're doing is finding some spots for week one because if you're waiting till week one rolls around the only way you're going to ever make money on that week is if the public moves lines out of whack and then you take advantage which will be far and few between that's the problem because what you have to remember week one lines have been sitting there for two months so the sharpest bettors on the planet have been digging into them, trying to find any mistakes. So rest assured, by September, all the value's been extracted. And what we've tried to do is find those positions where we're putting a better ticket in our pocket today than what we think the line's gonna be come September. Real quickly, I'll I'll rattle off a couple of these bets we got down on so you could do your research and see if you agree with them. Real quickly, college football, we bet 215 BYU minus 11, 163, Oklahoma minus 23 and a half and Michigan State game 153 we bet them twice at plus six and a half and plus six so there's three college football don't wait till August if you agree with me week one NFL Minnesota minus three Tennessee minus two and a half and under 45 and a half Jacksonville Houston what sticks out the most the key number of three we're trying to get the best of that side no more important numbers than three and seven in the NFL and if the line moves through that most of the value is extracted so what you'll notice is a lot of the bets we put in early a month out two months out are going to be around those numbers three and seven where we believe the line's going to move through it and simply having a minus two and a half in your pocket if an nfl line closes three and a half you're a winner long term if you could just do that if you could find a minus two and a half that's going to close minus three and a half and just search for those you could do nothing else in the long term, you're gonna turn a profit. That's how important that number is. Um, so again, uh, when you're betting futures like that, not futures to win a title, but future games, your goal has to be a better number today than tomorrow. Otherwise, why would I be betting it this far in advance? No reason to tie up my money in, in you know, non-interest barren accounts like a sports book if if I don't think the number is going to be so much worse come September. That's the key if you're betting this far out for week one games.
1: You're listening here on the morning after to Yanni the Greek telling us where all that sharp money's going. Yanni, you also mentioned in the commercial break that you are betting preseason games in the NFL. How do you handicap preseason games for football?
3: I I love preseason. I wish they they added more preseason games than regular season games anytime a market shows volatility it proves it's beatable and there is no bigger volatility than preseason where we see lines on spreads move four five six points you don't see that in the regular season a a, a starting quarterback has to be injured for a line to move more than three points but in preseason money gets bet and lines move three four five points that shows a lack of confidence in their betting numbers and they realize The sharp groups have better information and when it comes to preseason that's pretty much it i wouldn't go as far as saying simply be contrarian but if you don't have like the the sources and and the, the time to put into coming up with a model that is able to overcome the hold playing contrarian in the preseason alone will probably make you a little bit of money because people are so excited to bet nfl and what they're going on is last year and projections that we know nothing about we haven't seen a single play of regular season and yet all these bets are being made on a preseason. you got to approach it very differently and myself i always do it It, it's a completely different sport a completely different season but it's that volatility again that makes it so beatable um but if you don't get down early most of the the value is gone i'll share a couple real quickly we bet we bet dallas at plus two um that's first week of the season of of preseason these are coming up i think next week washington new england Mm -hmm. over 33 and a half over 34 you're going to see some higher scoring games in preseason the market still hasn't caught up and that's why we bet over 34 in miami and chicago as well keep that in mind usually in week ones square bettors think low scoring low scoring low scoring yeah 10 years ago you could have bet every game under and made a lot of money in the preseason markets are efficient efficiency means they correct themselves The the preseason market has been corrected. You can't just bet unders blindly anymore. Probably make more money betting overs. Again, this isn't financial advice, so don't quote me on that. Um, But the NFL market's as efficient as it comes. And if you had a decade where unders were profitable, rest assured it's not going to continue.
2: Yanni, only just over a minute left here in this segment, but I want to dive into something you mentioned about the NFL, how the key numbers are 3 and 7. Does that also extend to college football and sometimes when you get loftier spreads that 10 and 14 are also key numbers in the college football games?
3: Great question. I'm so glad you asked that. Here's why points matter a little less in college because of the scoring. The greater the scoring, the less points matter, meaning if you're only expecting 50 points to be scored, every point matters. If you're expecting 300 points to be scored, every point doesn't matter as much. And that's where with the NFL, where it's lower scoring, so it's worth buying that half a point. If you could get it at a a fair price on three, even at seven at times, but in college, I'm not a guy that's going to lay that extra juice. I want to get the best side of the three, the right side of the seven. Don't want to lay the seven and a half. I don't want to lay the three and a half, but I'm not willing to pay extra juice unless it's, it's a low total and I'm expecting low scoring. Always look at the total. What does the market expect? Not that it's right, but it's right more times than it's wrong. And that's the best we could ask for, because we're working with uncertainty when it comes to sports betting. It's, you know, probability theory at its best. Nothing more than that. You're never going to be certain when it comes to sports betting. I mean, there were done. He was fixing games and he wasn't 100 percent, if that tells you anything. So (laughs) even there, you're not 100 percent. So there's uncertainty.
1: Yanni, the Greek, always amazing stuff. Yanni, thank you for telling us where everyone should be looking on the FanDuel Sportsbook and on the odds boards. Yanni, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy the games.
1: Thanks so much. Coming up next, we are going to have our best bets of the day until bet to us part. You're listening here on
0: SiriusXM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network.
1: Segment on the morning after on sports grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. It's time for our best bets of the day. Let's get to to bet to us part. I like two strikeout props today. However, one of them's heavily juiced to the under. I'm gonna go with one that's plus money to the over, and that's the Miami Marlins starter, Zach Thompson, over five and a half strikeouts. He's up against the New York Yankees. The Yankees have the 10th highest strikeout rate in baseball. When up against right-handed pitchers. They also have the 10th highest strikeout rate. And in the last 30 days, the Yankees have the 6th highest strikeout rate. Thompson, against teams with the top 10 carried against right-handed pitchers, that includes two games against Atlanta and one game against the Chicago Cubs, he's had at least six strikeouts in all three of those games. I'm going over five and a half strikeouts for Thompson against the Yankees today. Ben, what about you?
2: Ariel, I'm also going over on a K prop. This one for the Milwaukee Brewers starter in Corbin Burns. The plus money is slightly there on the over, although it's even money at plus 100 of a strikeout prop of seven and a half against the Atlanta Braves. Now, the Braves have the ninth highest K rate in Major League Baseball this year at just about 25% against right-handed pitching. It has come down in the two weeks since the All-Star break to 22.8%. And Corbin Burns is not quite as prolific striking out batters as he was earlier on in, in the year only one start that he has had double digit strikeouts in his last seven but that being said he has still gone over this number of seven and a half in five of his last eight starts so against a Braves team that still does strike out a decent amount Corbin Burns can certainly be a strikeout pitcher I like the number I like the price I take the over of the seven and a half at even money
1: Two strikeout props. Oh, boy. Hopefully we can show you the plus money and get some good value on those strikeout props. Thanks for joining us here on the morning after on Sports SportsGrid. For Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. I'm going to the beach this weekend. Ben, I hope you have some fun plans beating Jack in the golf course.
2: I'm taking a nap right now after double duty last night, so I'm going to take a nap on this Friday.
1: I don't blame you. Good luck to your bets this weekend. For Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We'll see you Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on The Grid.
2: Lost in a sea of stats, averages, and injury reports? It's okay. you found it. Sports gaming strategies. And-